As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Simply Financial with Christopher Calandra, Certified Financial Planner, is an innovative, comprehensive, informative, and cutting-edge podcast that discusses financial topics ranging from personal finance, economics, politics, and personal growth. Simply Financial will cover intriguing and thought-provoking questions so that the listener can simply increase financial IQ. Welcome to the Simply Financial Podcast. Thanks for joining me. This is episode number nine of season four, and I'm your host, Christopher Calandra. And what I wanted to talk about today, I have uh, my partner, Lindy Brock, with me, is what should a potential client look for when they're meeting with, when they're interviewing a new financial advisor, a financial planner? And it occurs to me that there's a, a good amount of information about this out there, but it always takes the form of what questions to ask. The person's background, how do they get paid, what their compliance record is like, things like that. Those kind of nuts and bolts questions. What Lindy and I wanted to do is talk a little bit about the softer edge of what you're trying to figure out, kind of the relational aspect of the interview process, trying to determine if it's a good match and you want to work with the advisor and his or her firm. So Lindy, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your very busy day. We're super busy here. Only busy uh, because of you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so the first thing on on this subject, and you've you've seen actually, we did an episode of the Simply Financial podcast on key questions to ask. Yeah. And and that's good to have on hand, but you're asking the questions to get information. But there's a lot more that's going on. And the first thing that I wanted to, to cover, and I'll give you my thoughts and maybe you could share some of yours, is first and foremost, likability. It's an intimate relationship, if it's done well, where you're working with a financial advisor. That advisor and the firm are going to know a lot about you, your income, your assets, your liabilities, your goals and objectives. They'll have a sense of whether you're a good spender or a good saver. You're going to have a lot of conversations over the course of the business relationship, difficult times such as in the case of unemployment or a self-employed business person that runs in the tough times. And then on the other side, there are going to be instances where you'll share successes, the birth of a child getting to actual retirement, things like that. 
So the point is, during the relationship, you're going to need to like the person that you're working with. So when you're meeting with advisors to figure out who you want to work with, you want to check to see if you actually like them. And that could take, you know, kind of different forms for different people, but it's pretty common. You know, do you like them? I don't think there's any clients in our practice, I would hope, right, is that they're privately saying, boy, I don't like Chris at all, but he's my financial advisor and I'm satisfied. They they just don't go together. Right. And, you know, it boils down to personality, how people act when they're with you. Um, what their, and we'll get to this later, but what their communication style is, how they react to different things that you say. And I think it, it really goes without saying. If you are meeting with some an advisor for the first time and you naturally don't like them, you're probably not going to work with them. And that's yes. it's a good indication that you shouldn't work with them. Yes. Um, if you get a bad feeling or, you know, something like that, there's something, some tick Yes. And their personality mm-hmm. just kind of bothers you, it's really not going to work in the long run. Yes. And it's like this in other relationships too. If you have an accountant, like I like my accountant, so I work with my accountant. There's lots of competent accountants I know given being a certified financial planner. I know lots of accountants. We, we interact with lots of accountants in our day-to-day business dealings. So, I mean, I have lots to choose from. I disagree with you on the accountant side. Really? Yeah. So accountants, you don't really, in my opinion, I don't really think of an accountant like this is somebody who I'm going to tell like my deepest, darkest secret. Well, I mean, some people could, (laughs) (laughs) but this isn't somebody I'm going to hire them for one specific reason and that's to properly prepare my tax statements and I want them to be 100% accurate. If I don't like them, I don't care as long as they produce good work. With a financial advisor, to me, it's different. You are having like a lifelong relationship with this person and they are going to help you go through each one of your very important life events and how that affects you. I mean, some of the conversations we have with people, they cry, you know, they laugh and all of these things that is more important to have a personality with than an accountant that is made to process, just process numbers. So you do your own taxes, so it's not a perfect example, (laughs) but how many people do you work with regularly in your life, whether it's in the financial realm or otherwise, where you're the client and you don't like them? I don't know. I I would think it's zero. I don't think I do, yeah. Yeah. I don't. All right. So likability is really important, and it also works the other way too because I can't speak for other advisors and other firms but as a planning firm for me especially because we've had so much success over these last couple of years and we are not desperate for business we want to help people we want to grow the business but I think we also know who we are and who we serve the best I certainly do is we also want to like the people we're working with it is a two-way street. If they really like us, but for whatever reason we don't like them, that's not a good thing. And that's not to say that happens a lot, right? Because m- most people are good people and we could find ways to get along. But there have been instances over the course of my career where, you know, it might be one-sided where for whatever reason uh, 
there's just that not likability coming from me towards them, and that's not really a good business relationship either. So think, it does go both ways. Sorry to interrupt, but I think most of that has come from um, you you started your own business, you had your own clients, and then part of your plan to grow your business was to purchase other businesses. Yes. And so you inherited some clients that didn't choose you. That's true. And that you didn't choose. So trying to get along with each other and finding your own way, some of them you did like, um, some of them you didn't get along with, but they didn't they didn't initially choose you. Yes. And please understand, listeners, when we say get along, it's not like we're fighting and this, that, the other thing. It's a likability, sort Classic of like, would you would you, would you, you want to go out with that person for a beer? There might yeah. be people in your life where you say they're good people, but I really don't want to go out and have a drink with them. They're good people, but I really wouldn't want to hang out with them on a Saturday night. Yes. We're not talking about arguing or fighting or having disagreeable relations. Um, so that's good. The, the second thing, and it's related that I wanted to touch on, is the trust factor because again this is important as you said and it's intimate which is what I said you need to trust the advisor so when you're asking questions and you're having the interaction you're really trying to figure out is this someone I can trust that is going to have my best interest at heart are they can I trust that they're gonna make good decisions can I trust that they're competent can I trust that they will do what they say they're going to do? And you need to you need to look at the trust factor very, very closely. Our clients need to trust us. And when they stop trusting us, they are going to stop being clients. Yes. Or at the very least, there will need to be a heart-to-heart conversation about what led to a, a degre- degradation of the trust bond. And what I found, I want to get your thoughts on this, Lindy, having been at this for longer than you, I've come to the conclusion after doing thousands of meetings with clients and potential clients is that they decide very early on whether they trust you or not. It's an instinctual gut decision that they make very early on when they first meet you whether you're trustworthy or not. I'm not saying that's good or bad, but I just think it is what it is. And so it's difficult as an advisor to try and build that trust bond when they may have decided within a minute of sitting down with you at their kitchen table or my conference room table. And trust is absolutely crucial in this relationship. So what do you think about that? I agree. I think, it, I think you know, you start at your first meeting or your first the first time you actually see somebody or have an interaction with somebody you are establishing trust right away um, and that could be done from you know you're making a sales pitch or something and and somebody sitting in there listening to you how are you presenting that how are you presenting yourself mm-hmm. how are they taking that um, it can come from you shake a hand with somebody and Mm-hmm. You're looking at them the whole sure. time, and that eye contact, that reassurance, the way the way that you shake your hand, it, everything builds into trust. And it's like you said, the gut feeling that somebody gets whether they trust you or not, and it's done right away. And if you do not trust your advisor when you first meet them, 
it's a good indication that you're picking up on something that, sure. that's there. I think uh, I'm fortunate. I, I've gotten lots of compliments and positive feedback over the years and sometimes bad feedback. But one of the things that I think I'm most proud of is one of my longest standing clients and we've worked very closely together over the years and we've built a very good friendship on top of the business relationship was years ago, I think maybe you know the story, but years ago I was early in the business, I'm 21, 22 years old and I was working for a Wall Street firm and I was assigned this account that didn't have an advisor and I went out to see them. and. He was your type A alpha male on the fast track in corporate America. I mean, he was obviously a man going places. Very impressive guy. And his wife was the traditional stay-at-home mom. They had two children and just seemed like a traditional happy marriage with him being the corporate warrior and her being the manager of the household. So... We have this meeting and it goes well. They end up staying with me and the firm at the time. And then over the years, the business relationship grew and grew and grew and became a very fulfilling, profitable relationship for me and good for them. What I find out years and years later is she says to me in kind of a private moment, she's like, do you know why we went with you 12 years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it was? I'm like, no. <laughs> and she said, we interviewed lots of financial advisors and you were the only one that paid any attention to me. Everybody else came in, recognized that Dave was going places and was on the fast track to success and they only paid attention to him. And you were the only one that paid really any attention or respect to me and that's why we went with you. Now, the thing about this is, this was not something I learned in training or some book on uh, presentations or sales practices. This is just me, how I grew up. My mom and dad were, my dad wasn't on the fast track to success, but he worked. My mom stayed home, very traditional marriage. And that was just normal for me, you know, how I was raised kind of thing. It was no technique. Yeah. Um, but to me, that was such a huge compliment because she trusted me and she went and said look everybody else might be good for you but he's going to be good for me and if you know anything about relationships when the woman in my opinion when a woman in a marriage says x it's going to be x (laughs) (laughs) most of the time yeah so trust is really key uh the next thing is uh the advisor should be a teacher as a certified financial planner, and Linda, you're going to be a certified financial planner soon, Soon, right, is we have a lot of technical knowledge. I mean, I could talk investments and, you know, 30-day moving average. I mean, I could throw around jargon and technical terms, and it's part of my role as an advisor. But when I'm meeting with a potential client or even with clients, part of my role is to be a teacher. I need to communicate to educate them at least a little bit, to help them appreciate what's going on, helping them be able to make decisions and feel comfortable with what's going on. So I need to bridge the gap between being technically sound and good at my craft and being able to teach them 
without overwhelming them, without them having 40 hours of financial planning homework. And so when you sit with a potential advisor the first or second time, actually probably both, you should walk out of that meeting knowing more than you did before. There should be some teaching so that, like we say in the Simply Financial podcast, that you have increased your financial IQ. I think we're pretty good at that, don't you? I do, but let's break that down. What makes somebody a good teacher? So are they communicating with you in a way that you understand? So are they, like you said, are they using technical jargon that you don't understand? But some people do and some people don't. So you have to be able to have somebody that can work with you in your style so you are understanding terms, you're not feeling talked down to, you are, and they make sure that you understand Mm -hmm. what they're saying. And, you know, this comes back to, well, yesterday. So you had a client, after a client meeting, she you told me that she told you that the only reason that she even comes to these meetings because she doesn't like this stuff. She doesn't really understand it is because you take the time to break things down for her in a way that she understands that's enjoyable where she likes coming to these meetings. She walks away with something that she can take with her. And it is so powerful for somebody to be able to take something like that away with them, especially when they've not ever been involved in this at all. Yes, there was a there was a wonderful compliment, and just to be a little comical, uh, it's husband and wife again. So he usually interacts with us; mm-hmm. he takes the lead, and that's not unusual in a relationship where you know one person or the other kind of takes the lead, kind of a divide and conquer. There's a lot that needs. To- As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply to get done daily so he takes the lead with that and what she said was she said if it wasn't fun coming to see you and I didn't learn things I would have just sent him (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess that goes back to when a woman wants X she's going to get X but it was a nice compliment because she said it's fun everything's explained to me so that I understand and I learned something so it was a good use of her time otherwise she would have just sent him which during the year this was like an annual review Mm -hmm. We're recording this in in early uh, January 2020. So it was an annual review to talk about what happened in the 2019 year, talk about 2020's outlook, see what's changed on their end, all of that good stuff. So that was was a nice compliment. But you should definitely learn something. And if you feel like you're being talked down to, 
that's a bad negative. And if you feel like the conversation is going way over your head, that's also an enormous negative too. It's not that the advisor should know more about this stuff than you. They should be immersed in this. But if they can't bridge the gap, I think that's a term that Mm -hmm. you used, uh, and you're not learning, then that is not going to be healthy. And it ties back to trust because it's more difficult to trust somebody when you really don't know what they're talking about. Right. (laughs) Uh, Well, not only that, not not even talking down to them, but using terms that they're comfortable with or that they not oversimplifying stuff too. Mm-hmm. So you don't want somebody coming in and, and talking to you about, I don't know, what a stock is and what right. a bond is mm-hmm. when you're already way past that on stock options with your employer and stuff. Sure. I mean, you, you already know that and they should be able to pick up on what you know mm-hmm. and be able to That's match. That's a good point. Yes, you know, we've had lots of meetings, so we this is nice and fresh conversation. But yesterday, um, we were with, you'll know who I'm speaking about, but he started using terms like limit orders and stop orders. I mean, those yeah. are pretty technical terms, and if you're listening, they may or may not mean something to you. But that means my conversation with him, our conversation with him uh, on that particular topic was going to be more technical than you might in another conversation because of what was being spoken about and what the client was talking about. So you do have right. to match the teaching. That's a great point. Uh, the next uh, the next item is shared values. That it's related to what we talked about before, but you want to have a relationship where you have shared values. And so when you're sitting with the potential advisor that you might hire, you want to see if there's a shared worldview, shared values, if there's some, you know, just commonality in either your background or thinking. So I know, for an example, and it's it's not as dramatic now because I'm almost 50, but for lar- large swaths of my career, I would use the example of small business entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Like I could connect with small business entrepreneurs. We had shared values. I'm a small business entrepreneur. And so the way that... I would look at the world as a small business owner, um, seem to resonate with entrepreneurs. So some of my early success in business was focusing on small business entrepreneurs because we we had shared values because I was going through the same struggles, you know, when to hire, who to hire, how do you run your business, how do you become more efficient, uh, small business owners. Uh, have quarterly taxes, quarterly tax payments. That's a lot different than somebody that works for a business and have the taxes taken out of their weekly or monthly pay. So shared values is important. You don't need to agree on everything because in contrast, I had dinner last night with wonderful clients. We have a fabulous business relationship. But in the realm of politics, (laughs) we have a very different worldview. And so we don't have shared values there. But in many other areas that are important in the business relationship, we do have shared values. So it doesn't need to be, we got to agree on everything. And if both parties are respectful and can agree that we're going to disagree in this area, but we have shared values here and that helps us achieve our financial goals and feel comfortable with how our financial plan and our investments are being handled, it's a win for both sides. What are your thoughts on shared values? I think it's important to have shared values between, you know, your advisor and the client. 
you've seen me in lots of meetings over the last couple of years. And although it's changed some as you've emerged into a, a more experienced financial advisor, but a lot of times we're in the meetings, I, I, I'll take the lead more often than not. And we collaborate, but I'm probably often in the lead. And what I'll talk to clients about is like books because I'm an avid reader, right? Yes. And it's a way that I can create shared values, find out about them because if they are a reader and in Florida in a retirement community, not everybody is a reader, but there's lots of people that do um, read uh, various books. But that's a way that I kind of build shared values. Again, the meeting yesterday with the person I was talking about stop orders and limit orders. Uh, when we had first met years ago, uh, he had made a book recommendation to me and I had read the book and it was a fabulous book. And then I read another book from that author and then I sent him as a gift that book. So that was a way we kind of have shared values because we're kind of looking at the same, these are history books by the way, because I'm a tremendous geek. Yeah. Um, but that's one of the ways that I help along the shared values to find some common ground with books. So it's kind of like common experiences. Sure. Um, being with somebody who's been through what you're either going through or is going through the same thing that you are going through currently. So being a mom, having kids in high school, it's easy for me to connect and help people through what they're going through if they're going through the same thing. Um, being a divorce, a divorcee, I know you have not experienced that, but that is something that I've gone through and that I'm able to help people through. Having common ground and being able to connect with somebody is is very important. So you know that they are able to give you good advice because mm -hmm. they've been there themselves. Yeah, no, it's an excellent point. And the last thing I wanted to speak about, and by the way, listeners, we're gonna we're gonna um we're gonna do five today. We did likability trust, teaching, shared values. Next, we're going to do communication style. But Lindy and I have a meeting, so we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to do the final five in our ultimate list of 10, and we're just going to break it into two segments. But communication style, again, a lot of what we've talked about is related to communication style, but specifically, we're talking about how you communicate verbally, in writing, body language. These are really, really important in the realm of likability, trust, teaching and learning, the shared values. It's very important. And this is not just in business. This is the same thing between you and your husband, you and your children, you and other people you come across, whether you're the client or you are the uh, professional. Communication style, super important. Uh, so why don't you touch a little bit on the body language part of that? Right. So I know your a lot of your focus is on you know verbal communication. Is somebody able to match you verbally, um, communicate in a way that you can understand? Um, I like to look at people's body language and be able to to see if you say something and they cringe or they have a certain look on their face or they kind of sit away from you, just how they're responding and being able to pick up on those subtle cues 
to know if you need to revisit something, if you need to explain something more, if somebody's having an emotional reaction to something that you've said that you really need to dig a little deeper into. Um, it's really important to work with somebody that's able to pick up on those subtle clues mm -hmm. so they're able to do the best work for you. And you had touched on it before, but I also wanted to go on, I guess, communication type. Yes. Because that's all part of communication style. So, you know, the older generations, they like that in-person, coming to your office, meeting, face-to-face, -face, and not only does it build trust, it's just, it's what they're used to. That's how everything used to be, you know, when they were growing up. Um, the younger generation, though, I mean, they're used to electronic devices in front of them at all times and that's how they communicate and they don't want to pick up the phone if somebody even calls they mm -hmm. don't want to talk to a human so you have to be able to work with somebody that is able to match your preferred communication style whether it's you know text or email or um, meeting in person or coming to your home even but it is important for somebody to... Sure. And I'll add on. Some people like to see things in writing. Other people would yeah. like to see things graphically. Right. I'm verbal. So I have to be careful that I'm not putting that onto them because some people would rather see graphs and colors and pictures. Sometimes that's a little bit of an analytical person versus a creative person. And God knows I'm not a creative person. But no, that's a good point. And so when a potential... Um, client is meeting with an advisor, they want to be picking up on how the firm, not just the advisor, but everything that happened in terms of how the meeting was scheduled, how they're talking about follow-up, the communication style. So it's not just the personality of the advisor, the communication of the advisor, but just kind of everything surrounding it. In particular with the advisor, I know for myself is that I'm a New Yorker at heart. I talk fast. That's not for everyone. I do need to temper that and I need to be aware. You know, again, we've had so many meetings this week, but you know, we were with, um, with a client that is from the deep south and our accents are quite different, <laughs> right? And I probably talk way faster yes. than he would prefer. So I do need to be careful about that. But still, it, it, it's... It is who I am and I can temper it. I need to be aware. But at the end of the day, I, I am who I am, just like the client is who they are. And so that's not for everyone. And also I tend to be pretty direct. And sometimes that can rub people the wrong way. I think on balance, it's who I am and it works well. You mentioned with... Um, the evolution of Elliott Wealth Management has included acquiring other practices, so we've ended up with clients. And when we've sat with clients at times, I've said, listen, this is a little this is a little unusual because you really didn't hire me. You did not pick me. Yes. You picked so-and-so, and then so-and-so picked me. So you may end up firing me because you didn't pick me, and I may not be for you. That's pretty darn direct, but I want to get it out there. My personal direct attitude is I'll follow up and say in those situations, but I and the rest of the team here, we're going to do everything to reinforce that so-and-so picking us to buy his business was the right decision. 
so that we can make this work. But I recognize that you didn't really pick me. Right. And that you being so direct and me taking kind of the softer side of things. I think I love when we do meetings together and we sit in with clients together because we're both able to to pick up on the subtleties and work together in a way that's really the best for the client where you know they're sure to be taken care of since I see those other things yes (laughs) and you talk Mm -hmm. very directly and I think our communication style with each other um, is extremely important too and being able to know when one person person should be talking and handling this side of the conversation while this other person should be talking and handling the other side of the conversation. Yeah. No, it's very well said. And so let's leave it there. We talked about likability, trust, the teaching aspect, the shared values element of the relationship and the communication style. These are things if you're if you're considering working with an advisor, with a financial planner, with a firm and or just a sole operator, these are some of the things that you ought to be aware of and you as you're trying to size up if if these are the people or the person that you want to hire because it's an important relationship. We believe tremendously in working with a financial professional to help you achieve your financial goals and objectives that the money spent in a good relationship like that is well worth the cost you'll get way more out of it than you'll put into it in terms of the cost of having an advisor as opposed to doing it yourself so uh, Lindy and I will be back on the next episode and we'll cover um, items 6 through 10 in the potential things a client should look for when hiring a financial advisor and financial planner. In the meanwhile, please go to our website, ElliotWealth.com. If you're not a client and you like what Lindy and I had to say today, and hopefully you did, you could sign up for a complimentary consultation with us. And also, if you're a listener, please subscribe to the podcast and recommend your friends do so as well. Once again, Lindy and I will be back on the next episode of the Simply Financial podcast very soon. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of Sage Point Financial Incorporated and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Please note the information being provided is strictly as a courtesy. When you link to any of the websites provided here, you are leaving this website. We make no representation as to the completeness or accuracy of the information provided at these websites, nor is the company liable for any direct or indirect technical or system issues or any consequences arising out of your access to your use of third-party technologies websites, information, and programs made available through this website. When you access one of these websites, you are leaving our website and assume total responsibility and risk for your use of the websites you are linking to. Securities and advisory services are offered through Sage Point Financial Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, insurance services offered through Elliott Wealth Management, LLC, not affiliated with Sage Point Financial. Simply Financial is part of the Exvadio Podcast Network. You can find Exvadio podcasts at exvadio.com slash podcast. 
the Apple Podcasts app, iTunes Store, iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you find podcasts. So join us and stay informed and entertained. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.